In January, a U.S. Customs and Border Patrol report noted that 153,941 migrant encounters at our southwest border represented a 320 percent increase over January of 2020. 320 percent. Officials at our southern border have estimated that nearly 400,000 illegal immigrants have successfully crossed the border without being caught. That was French Hill, the representative from the state of Arkansas, and he was specifically talking about our topic today. And he was comparing January 2020 with January 2022. Yes, the immigration numbers have gone through the, the roof, meaning illegal immigration into our country. And that's what we're talking about today here on Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here every time to warn the nation of what, what's going on around here from a biblical perspective and to help us, to help you respond in faith, because we want to make a difference. And so once again, I've got two friends here helping to unpack this uh, volatile topic. So first, welcome Dave Brody. Thanks for joining us from the Middle East. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Joseph Watson for his second podcast from Nashville. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you much. You're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention any, anybody that wants a little bit more of who these guys are, uh, they're... Um, their introductions were on uh, two podcasts ago when we talked about conspiracy theories from a biblical perspective and what's going on in our nation and the media today. So that was fascinating. And we got another topic here that's super important. And um, it's got, again, a lot of implications of what's going on. I just don't think for many Christians we've thought about this from a biblical perspective. It's just this this like political debate, left versus right, or whoever pro borders against uh, 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 open borders versus closed borders. So we want to jump in here, but to set the table, I hope we get to talk about a lot of scripture, but Dave, would you read uh, from Acts 17, would you read probably the key verse for us from today? Okay. Acts 17, 26 uh, says that from, from one man, God made all the nations— that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Right. So who created individual sovereign nations? This isn't man's idea. I think we just think because of wars and how we signed peace treaties or whatever, that's how we got nations. No, 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 no. God created every nation, it says. So this is God's idea. And Paul's affirming it. Yes, we get this from Genesis, but Paul is affirming it in the New Testament, post-cross, post-resurrection, post-Pentecost. This is a now, a now principle. And then it went on to say uh, he even put the boundaries in place. So when we're talking about open borders versus closed borders, we're actually talking about a very biblical thing. What about your boundaries, your nation's boundaries? You, you have to tie that verse with the verse— you know, not only did he set the boundaries, but also in the other passage, it says that he established leaders. He puts authorities in place. And those are not unconnected. You know, you have to understand that he's in he's he's guiding all of this. Now we can get in a whole discussion, which I, I can't speak so eloquently on about 
you know, the end times and stuff. But say if the I Bible can, says, if I, I, by the way, I hope we get to the end times, and I, I do want to talk about how borders are even connected to God's judgments versus God's blessing. But uh, just real quick, in light of you bringing up his role with kings, I believe it's Daniel chapter two. I believe it's verse 21, but it literally says that, that God's putting kings in place, you know, what we call today uh, prime ministers and presidents and all that kind of stuff, or, uh, or czars, but uh, God puts them in place and he takes them out. And so, yeah, God is doing a lot of things. We got to be careful here and not just say, oh, that's some Old Testament topic. No, this is a now message for us. Exactly. And everything in the Old Testament, it says several points in the New Testament, is for our education for our understanding of what's going on today so there's they're not i I like to even think of it as old covenant new covenant um and the anyway i i I think it all very much applies well i'm hoping we can kind of navigate a handful of scriptures here but let's just talk about this almost from a just our response to what we've been hearing not just from representative hill but I mean, it's all over the place about how many people cross our borders um, every day, every week. Uh, it's very interesting to me, too, that they have that statistic that he identified there in our opening clip, that there's those that they've identified. So for the month of January here of 2022, it was 156,000 were identified, and, and the United States welcomed in 60,000 of those. But they, as he went on to say— they think there's as many as 400,000 that just came in under the radar. Like, this is wild. Like, like just, I don't know. What do you guys think of that? How do you respond to these numbers? I think we just don't even know the numbers. I mean, yeah. they when they talk about how many illegal immigrants there are in the States, they've always used this number 11 million for years. But yet some people are now saying, no, that could be 20 million. It could be more. We don't know. Say, so do you guys have any thoughts about, um, you know, I've heard this, and and I believe it to be true, even though the media doesn't cover it, but it's the media, glimpses of the media that told me about this, that, you know, they're actually taking uh, plane loads of, of illegal immigrants, you know, they've never gone through the naturalization process, and they cut flying at night, and do you, but what I'm curious is, where do all these people go? Like, how do they end up fitting into the culture? Like, I don't know, I, they got to go somewhere. Well, I, I hear these isolated, well, not isolated, but different stories about certain towns where just like people from one certain country have just suddenly, I think there's a town in Pennsylvania, I forget the name of it, but in just a few years, it went from being like 3% Hispanic to like two thirds Hispanic. It just changed the whole yeah. town. You know, so it's it's happening. And and the, the effort of the current administration has been to do it in the dead of night. So you've seen those articles as well or, or videos or whatever? Right. And they, when I, what I remember seeing, this wasn't from some uh, loopy fringe person. It was actually credible people, and they were quoting uh, at least some people in our, our government that are alarmed by this. But anyway, it seemed like they were credible sources to me. Yeah, and I, and the, I think one part of the equation is we don't know how many leaders of these cities and towns accepted some kind of inducement, <laughs> or maybe you could say the word bribe, to receive in these people and look the other way and um, make sure that the federal government is supplying them with monies to provide for them, but to stay quiet about it. Hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, we don't know what, what, what sort of hidden motivations are, are going on. I mean, we know at a global sale, as far as the globalists go, you know, the ones who want a one world government, they want to flood the prosperous nations with as many immigrants as possible to kind of bring them down to, to where you can have more equal economies. You can meld everyone together into a new world order. Uh, I'm not saying everyone who's pro, you know, pro immigration or pro illegal immigration is 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 consciously thinking that way. But also we know on the politics end in the U.S. that the Democrats know that the vast majority of immigrants, both legal and illegal, who become citizens will vote Democrat. So they have a big, huge voting block. Uh, potentially, they could even lock in a permanent majority. If they, you know, they keep um, just ma- waving the magic wand and uh, allowing yeah. everyone to become a citizen. It's very so, thinly veiled, but that's that's definitely the motive behind it. Going back, though, to the globalist deal, um, th- this idea of open borders, whether it's the U.S.-Mexico uh, border or U.S.-Canada or just any nation's border— this idea of having open borders, it's a, a way of trying to, in a palatable way, because we're open, we're going to help all these poor people, this is great, America's doing what it's supposed to do. Actually, it's the reverse, and we'll get into more scriptures here uh, uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. But actually, what it does is it's, a, it's this palatable way for to get the word out there to erase borders. Now, what does a globalist want to do? Absolutely One. against <laughs> individual sovereign nations, even though we just read out of Acts, Paul telling us that God created individual sovereign nations as part of his will. And you even kind of, maybe we'll get into this later, uh, connected to the end times, but you even see how this sets up a a situation for the Antichrist to take on this global influence. So I I have this whole line of thought, a future book hopefully, called The Gifts of Nations. And I believe like a big diamond, God gave a facet of his character or nature to each nation. And no other nation on earth has what that nation has. And so that each nation has the potential to teach the rest of the world some aspect of God's character or nature. And Satan, of course, knows if you pollute the gift, you distort the concept of the gift giver. So every nation's gift has a unique pollution as well. And so I think as the nations come to faith, the concept of God gets bigger, gets more clear, gets more accurate. And I think like what you were saying, uh, Dave is exactly right. The enemy is all about erasing borders, erasing sovereignty of nations and creating this, this whole one world thing, which is perfectly setting the stage for the spirit of Antichrist uh, to come in and, and do his bidding. Okay. So, to connect a couple dots here, and then Dave, I definitely want you to jump in because I know this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> um, I uh, I want to mention, okay, Revelation, it talks about nations much more than we often think it does. And in light of each nation having a gift like you just described, Joseph, in uh, Revelation chapter 21, it talks about um, after the millennium, Nations still exist. Nations exist in the millennium, according to Revelation 20. After the millennium, the new age is in Revelation chapters 21 and 22. So these are the last two chapters of the Bible, right? And nations are still talked about. And the gifts, it literally says 
uh, near the end of chapter 21 that the gifts of the nations are brought to God Almighty, who now there's no more need for a sun or, or moon to li- light the uh, the universe or, or the earth. Uh, now the, the light comes from God himself, and it's just this glorious new age that nations still exist. It says the kings of the nations bring their gifts to the king of kings, and then just reading a few verses after that, we're into Revelation 22, right there at the beginning, it says that the the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Yeah. Yeah. God, God's purpose was for nations ever since the flood, throughout all of human history. Paul affirms it in Acts uh, 17 that we read. And then it continues on into the millennium and into the new age. This nation's thing and God's heart for individual sovereign nations, by the way, with borders, it is part of the heart of God. Well, this speaks to how, if you don't include the borders, how do you define a nation? You know, in the most practical, basic, elemental aspect of this, if you can't define a nation by its borders, then you are redefining nation. Because if you look all through the Old Testament, you, you read repeatedly about uh, board, this is the borders of this nation. They went across the border to attack this country or whatever. It's all through the Old Testament. And when you take away the element of boundaries and borders, then you're, you're stepping into a, a whole different realm that's... Uh, yeah. fraught with danger people lose their identity people lose their identity if you take yeah. away their nations and this is one reason that they like to do that so that people will just go along with this new world order thing so they would like to see more i think unions like the european union they want the north american union and the south american union and and then people will, will just go along with the next step which would be to combine these unions into a into a world government but like like Joseph said, each nation has its own identity and and can shine in its unique way. We don't want to take that away from people. That's right. So there's something really interesting on this topic that happened here in America, and I didn't have the pieces put together here until more recently. But this word started showing up, I believe it was in the 1980s, uh, but certainly by the early 1990s here in America, and that was we want multiculturalism. Now, what was the... What was the principle before that? Before that, for generations, it was that America is a melting pot. Yes, you can come into America, but you're going to be part of a new culture. We have a a constitutional government. Where you came from may not have had a constitutional government. Wherever you're coming from, uh, you might have had certain uh, cultural practices, but they're against uh, the U.S. Constitution or laws within our state governments or federal government. You are coming in to be part of the melting pot. Uh, the, the multiculturalism said, said, oh, no, 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 we need to help people that come into this country to hold on to their traditions. And what I saw there happening, and we can see it more clearly now, uh, uh, even in the last couple of years, is that they were really holding on to trying to bring a division into America. So rather than you're immigrating into a new nation, what you're doing is bringing in your uh, 
cultural, which some of it, of course, is good in various traditions and so forth. That's fine to practice it here. But what it did is it allowed people to essentially come here and not really ever buy into America, which is part Mm. of this watering down the globalists would want to engineer that Dave was just talking about. Uh, I'll give you an example of this in Canada. Um, I've been many times all over Canada, and their gifting is healing. And their pollution of their gifting is tolerance. And in the subservience to tolerance, uh, you have communities starting to pop up in, you know, Canada is so vast and has so many remote areas. But you have smaller communities where you have a lot of Muslims that have gathered and that are, are having Sharia law. And the government is saying, well, that's their culture. You know, far be it from us to step in and tell them that they can't kill their daughter for having a boyfriend or et cetera, et cetera. Beat, beat, their, beat their wife for any reason they want. That's right. And, and, you know, when you do that, when you have run roughshod over a nation's laws, then, then at what point can you say that nation still has, uh, has sovereignty? Right. It's no longer uh, uh, the nation. It was uh, for sure. And you're even starting to uh, undermine it being a nation uh, at all, at least not without tremendous conflict from from within. And so yeah, yeah, there, that's, what, that's what happens when you're doing uh, immigration too fast, whether whether legal or illegal. But if you have too many mm-hmm. coming at the same time, the, the the melting pot can't quite melt. Right. As, as it should. Right. You know. I don't know if most people are aware of this, but according to the U.S. government, this has been in place for a long, long time. We take one million immigrants into this nation legally every year with a through a legal process. Um, it was never supposed to be this thing. Where now we're suddenly seeing uh, anywhere from from sixty thousand to four hundred thousand immigrants coming in illegally every month. This is the this is the situation where uh, the melting pot idea is not going to work. In fact, I think a lot of anti-melting uh, pot uh, thought is, is being promulgated throughout our universities and other cultural uh, institutions, influential in- institutions. Okay, so guys, I think we need to circle back here a bit. Um, all of this has been quite an engaging conversation, at least for me, um, uh, based off of one one verse here, but the Bible actually talks about this repeatedly, repeatedly. So we've already talked about Acts 17. We've touched on some things in the book of Revelation here, but actually understanding God's heart, it's not only in the New Testament. We need to go all the way back to Genesis. And let's just talk about this, like God's heart for nations uh, and why he, he introduced this. Well, all right, let me throw in a few verses here and speak to that. Um, Kind of echoing the passage from Acts 17 is Psalm 74, 17. It said, it was you, talking about God, who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. So if you made summer and winter, and those are still active, the boundaries of the earth. And I don't think it's just meaning this is where the land starts and here's where the ocean starts, uh, stops. I think it's also talking about nations and and uh, that. And I, I think that... Uh, Isaiah has an amazing passage talking about the king of Assyria. This is in Isaiah 10, 12 to 13. It says, the king of Assyria, he says, 
I have removed the boundaries of nations. I plundered their treasures like a mighty one. I subdued their kings. And in the, in the, in the practical, I don't, I don't know if I've deviated from what you were saying is so much, but in the natural, one of the surest signs in the Old Testament that a nation was being overrun, was being taken over, was being conquered, or in process of being conquered, was their walls or their boundaries or their borders were uh, fluid and people were able to come in, the opposing armies were able to come in. And that's exactly what they do. They come in, they, when you remove the boundaries, then there's nothing that prohibits the enemy from plundering the treasures of that nation. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's, it's happened not only with our physical wall on the southern border, it's happened from within in terms of attacking the walls of our institutions. You know, our constitution is under attack. Our, you know, the things that have, have been the bedrock and foundation of our nation, those are being attacked from within, just as in the natural, you see a porous border. I said fluid a minute ago. I meant porous border where there's just this uh, this freedom to flood in. Come on in. The more the merrier. And oh, by the way, vote. And here's how you vote. Um, Another voice on this whole thing related to this has been Jonathan Kahn, and he's the author of The Harbinger and several other books. But the phrase you just used, he really capitalizes on this, that we are actually warring right now against our own yeah. nation's foundations. I don't know if we're not aware of the Constitution or it's not being taught anymore in our public schools or what in the world is going on. But this idea that of open borders that has been so widely accepted by a, a large percentage of Americans, including people in our government, it's actually warring against our founding documents. So uh, we can talk more about that, but, but it's I believe we're warring against the Bible fundamentally. And I'm not so concerned here about mm. a left or right argument, but I believe we're actually warring against the Bible document. But but then also our founding documents, which ob- obviously were to preserve freedom and preserve our nation. But let's uh, let's circle back, Joseph, on um, you know, why God is including borders. Like you talked about this briefly, but I think there's more to it. And that is that without borders, you don't have a nation. Without boundaries, uh, evil can just rush in. Um, And in our case, with the southern border the way it is right now, uh, it seems like anyone and everyone can come across. Like, why why did God not want us to go down this path? All right, well, let me pull back a little bit, because I, I firmly believe that everything in the natural reflects something in the spirit. And if someone doesn't believe that, they haven't read Proverbs, because how many times does Solomon say, this is like this, this is like this. And I think when we as a people have watered down our own personal boundaries, then it's only a natural progression that we don't see the value of our of our national boundaries. And we allow in anything, including the enemy, and they don't even have to come as Trojan horses now. It, they can come straight in. Um, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but. Well, I, th- I think you were getting around to what we do personally when we don't have borders or let's just say a guard over our own lives or hearts and we're letting anything and everything into our lives. It starts to become expressed towards even our national situation. Ah, I remember what it was. Thank you. That helped. Um, it's inheritance. God loves to give inheritance. He gives inheritance to to 
people. He gives inheritance to nations based on their how they are in their um, faithfulness or rebellion, as the case may be. Um, some many have said that God gives a leader to a nation that they deserve. And I think whenever he gives an inheritance, there is this aspect of how well are you guarding or stewarding what you've been given? And we have personal boundaries over, over our houses. We have personal boundaries over marriages. We have personal boundaries over uh, things that, that are ours and that we feel ownership of. And that's the whole wonderful thing about the American experiment is that this for the first time, and even it was explicitly stated, as you said, in our founding documents, that this is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. The, the people in Washington or the capitals of our states or whatever work for us, not the other way around. We don't. We purposely did not make George Washington a king. We made him a president. And so because of that, this is our nation. And therefore, if it's our nation, it's our inheritance. And when you don't guard the boundaries of your inheritance, don't be surprised when that inheritance is taken away. Well, everyone's going to want to come in and take a piece. Hey, it's Absolutely. inheritance. It looks good to me. Let's go grab it. I heard an article from the New York Times about a year ago said um, in one three-month period, there were uh, people from 160 different nations that came across our border illegally. Hmm. So it's just like, it's just like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> and it's not just, um, it's not just the border itself as far as like, you know, some people say, well, put up a wall and that would solve everything. But I've heard 40% of illegal immigration is people who are overstaying their visas. Hmm. So people had a visa to come in the States, but then they just overstay. And that, that system is not protected at all. Like uh, I had one friend from India who uh, married an American woman. She, they, they came to the States and they pretty much had decided that they would stay a long time. But he was only coming on like a six month, you know, short visa, like maybe a tourist visa or something. But but their their plan was to stay a longer time. And when they got to the immigration you know, entry point at the airport, you know, they, they were asking this guy questions. And in his innocence, he said, well, they said something like, well, you're going to study when you're in the States. You're going to go, like, oh, yeah, I might, I, might, I might take some courses. And they could tell from his, in his innocence, he was admitting that he was True. likely to stay longer. And so he was deported. But the thing is, if my friend had decided to lie, they would have let him in and he'd probably be a U.S. citizen today. So it, it's, the system is so easy. On one hand, uh, you know, they're trying to make sure you don't come in if you're going to stay longer. But once you're in, you can apply to become a U.S. citizen, even though you're on a short term visa. The whole system is just just crazy. OK, so I've, I've half jokingly said to friends abroad who've had trouble getting visas to come in the States. Well, it's simple. Just get to Mexico and come across the border. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sadly true. <laughs> so. Um, Let's let's tackle this right now. So often we hear, but it's the good love, loving thing. It's the Christ-like thing to do is to let everybody come into our nation. We should not have borders because keeping people out shows that we have hard hearts, evil hearts. We're not being compassionate. What, what do you what do you say? Well, one is we don't want to keep everyone out. I mean, I, I think we all here are for 
legal immigration. It's just a matter of of uh, controlling it and choosing the right people who can who can enter. So it's um, not a heartless thing in that way. Joseph, you had something. Well, I, there was a quote, and I, I'm sorry that I can't remember who gave this quote, but it was not somewhere in the last year or two. It said, forced generosity is tyranny or extortion. I forget which one it was. And there's this concept that you are a heartless person if you don't want all these people from these impoverished nations to be allowed into our country. And, and they have just totally switched this thing into the most compassionate thing is to let everybody in. And uh, I'm like, well, okay, you don't mind if I come into your house and go straight to your refrigerator. Uh, well, then you don't mind if I take the keys to your car, I need to use a car. And, you know, there's such this disconnect, they, they've somehow been able to separate out their personal stuff and the nation uh, and, and not see the parallel between there. You know, to guard the inheritance needs to happen in the in the microcosm as well as in the the um, enlarged view. It also doesn't doesn't solve the real problem of poverty in all these different nations. I mean, each nation right. needs to address their own situation. And you know, even if the U.S. opened up twice as much as it is as it is now, it's still a tiny, tiny fraction of the people uh, from these different nations. And also. One downside is it can bring a false hope. I mean, I, I've been yeah. uh, English at some refugee camps uh, here in the in the Middle East, and and we talk to the students and say, where do you want to live? And you know, what, what do you want to do in the future? And all of them say, I want to go to Germany. I want to go to USA. I want to go to Australia. I want to go. And uh, and we know. I mean, from our perspective, I know that only a fraction of them will probably succeed. And so. It, for many of them, it's kind of a false hope. I mean, I hope some of them do do are able to go, but but for many, it's it's a it's a false hope rather than concentrating on how can I better my life and and uh, make you know make things better here where I am, even though it's more difficult. Mm, mm. Uh, can I go back for just a second to something? Add one more verse about the inheritance thing, and this is from First Kings twenty one three. And uh, if you remember, Ahab had wanted Naboth's gardens or his land. And Naboth replied to him, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. And I think that when we do not see the nation as our inheritance, then, uh, then what do we have to offer people who come in from other nations? who are wanting to find their own way. And, and like you're saying, people who are wanting to come to here in other Western nations because they see it as a, a, a step up. It's, they see it as a place of where they can see their dreams fulfilled. Well, if you have disregarded your own inheritance, then uh, you have abandoned the, the whole process of dreaming for something more because you're not even being a good steward of what you do have. It's interesting to me as well that our founding fathers, they quoted Matthew 5. The, the pilgrims saw themselves on a, uh, a call from God and that this new nation would be from Matthew 5. It would be a city on a hill, a light to the world. And almost unbelievably, 
it actually happens where America experiences these great awakenings and the nation is changed uh, for the glory of God. And we start sending missionaries to the world and their original vision happens. Well, if you look at that concept of being a city on the hill, a light to the world, that doesn't mean then that, oh, you're the light and you invite everybody now from the whole world into your nation. You absorb everybody from the whole world into your nation. What it means is, is you've become an example. And as mm. ambassadors to Christ, we go to other nations and they can learn from this nation that uh, was far from perfect, but in many respects, many were trying to put Christ first. Uh, freedom being a biblical concept was trying to put freedom first, all these kinds of things. Well, anyway, the long and the short of it is I feel like we're getting our wires crossed here because uh, the calling on a godly nation, and we can look at other godly nations now, to the, at least they've increased in their godliness, whether it's South Korea or Argentina or Uganda. They've all experienced great awakenings, et cetera, a national. But that doesn't mean, again, that you absorb everybody. You, you become a light to other nations and say, hey, here's what's happening to our nation because of believing in God and following Jesus Christ and trying to have laws that reflect goodness and morality based on the scriptures. We become that light. And uh, I'm afraid, again, that, that we're not doing this God's way. Yeah, and we've seen nations benefit who have modeled off the light uh, for example, from the USA, I'm not saying USA is the only nation of light, but, uh, you know, the, the Japanese constitution, I believe, is based off of our constitution. Uh, I think the Singapore constitution is more based off the British constitution. But they're and even economically, uh, for 30 years, Chile pretty much got their economic uh, system, which they wrote into their constitution from the from economists in the USA. And they became the most prosperous nation hmm. in South America. Unfortunately, now they're they're going away from that, but they benefited from the light that came from our way. Hmm. Hmm. Right. So actually, compassion can include bringing um, immigrants in legally, but also compassion can include going to other nations to help them learn from the biblical model how to do this God's way. Well, we've done this in the right way, and we probably have also done it the wrong way. Unfortunately, sometimes the U.S. has launched wars, and we march our armies in and, you know, change their government and think that's going to change everything. But on the other hand, at times we've done it the right way and modeled uh, good government. Yeah, the, the, the goal in going into a nation is in nation building is not to recreate the, um, the distortions of freedom. You know, that's a pollution. Our, our nation's gift as Americans is freedom. And the pollution of our gift is uh, license to sin. So when you go into a nation, if you're as an American, when I go to teach, I go as an American. And I realize that I have, you know, all believers should want to see other people set free. But if you're an American, you should have that in a deeper level. In every cell of your body, we love our freedom. And so that's a gift I have to give. And so I have to realize that my goal is not to make them Americans. My goal is for them to be free to, to discover and to fully represent the, the glory that is their gift from God, because I need what they have. We, the world needs what they have of God. And so our goal is not to come Lord over with what we have, but our goal is to come under and lift up and to honor and to celebrate their, their strengths and giftings. What do you guys think about as far as the benefits of sovereign nations 
Well, what are other things that come into play? Well, let's not forget that God had to personally divide the nations. So we have a wildly violent, evil situation before the flood. God has to do a what is the reset of all resets, and he cleanses the earth, starts over with eight people, but shortly um, they're multiplying like crazy, and and scholars call Genesis chapter 10 the table of nations. And the last verse in Genesis 10, it explains that God himself separated these people according to their clans and nations. He actually separated them so that we wouldn't have a repeat of this exponential evil that was happening before the flood. But it only partially works. But what I want to highlight there is that that this is in God's heart. He's trying to save us from ourselves. That's a huge benefit, I would say. Um, But as I just said, it only partially works. Um, The people are in different nations, but they start to all merge together in a unified force to build the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, the very next thing. And God then again intervenes, and it says he's specifically God himself divided it up the nations according to their languages that he 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 confused yeah. their languages so now you could not have this exponential evil and so when i see individual nations i see an in, impeding of the kind of evil that would come upon the land and when i see borders being erased and i see this shift towards globalization which which is in a whole lot of other arenas beyond borders but we're kind of sticking with that today but when i see this globalization it's it's the enemy we have a father of lies he's trying to get us to buy into a schematic that that he's going to sell it to us it'll be better it'll be, it'll fight global warming better it'll stop pandemics better uh it'll be a better world economy and he's trying to sell us something but god knows and we should know from genesis 11 the only thing that happens is an acceleration of evil with mankind all uh coming together i'm in iraq at the moment and uh on the iraqi mummy let's see if, we, if the camera can catch this this is the 250, 250 note is the Tower of Babel. You're <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I, I, can't, I can't, I have not been there, but uh, but your point is well said that if God had wanted a world without borders, you know, some people talk about that as if it's some wonderful thing that could happen, a world Utopia. without borders, he would not have confused the languages at, at Babel. And, and you you need to have individual nations because otherwise evil would just would just take over one system and then it would it, it would kind of corrupt everything. Well, I like to look at at the the flow of history and uh, as a chess match between God and Satan. And we of course know that Satan was checkmated two thousand years ago. But like whenever I would play my dad, it must have been written in heaven that he always wins. And he would do checkmate. He'd go in the kitchen to cook, uh, you know, to make cup of coffee or ice cream or something. And I'm like, shoot, what if I did this? No, I can't do that. What if I didn't know, you know, five minutes later, I said, Oh, you won. And he'll stick his head up. Are you just figuring that out? I beat you five minutes ago. (laughs) So I see that nations are the chess pieces. Hmm. And if you can, if you can like eliminate the, the boundaries of pieces, you've won, you own the chessboard. Also, it's interesting, I think, as we also talk about the benefits, uh, you know, of sovereign nations, um, as we've talked about here, but also actual walls, you know, in, in, 
in Psalm 51, David is confessing his sin. It's very interesting to me here. There's this interplay between the king who has sinned greatly, and yet mm-hmm. he says in verses 18 and 19, oh God, show us favor, because now he's confessed his sin, and he's saying, show Zion favor, and then he says, build our walls. In the Bible, broken down walls, borders that don't exist, this kind of idea, it was yes. a... It was a disgrace. It was essentially just saying anything and everything now can happen to our nation, our city. In this case, it's the city of Jerusalem, the capital city. And um, it's interesting to me, this interplay between sin, walls collapsing or borders being erased, and godliness and righteousness and God's blessing and favor, meaning your nation is secure in God and God has helped you secure it in the spiritual, but also now there's a picture, not just a picture, a reality in the physical that you're going to be protected. And this is going on throughout the Old Testament. We see it with Solomon. We see other points where if, uh, and again, going back to Psalm 80, if the walls are torn down, we could talk about Nehemiah as well, but if the walls are, are gone, it's a disgrace because now yes. you're allowing anything and everything in. Yeah, you see in the book of Nehemiah how when they did rebuild the wall, there was spiritual revival as well. The, you know, the word of God was taught and the people celebrated and worshiped. Yeah. And I want to add a verse to what you were saying a second ago. Uh, that would be Isaiah 58, 12 says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age old foundations. You will be called, speaking of God, repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's one of God's names. He's wow. all about building up walls, not walls that that uh, just keep out, but walls that protect so that's one of God's names. He's the repairer of broken walls. And so these are not walls for, for to keep people out necessarily, but they're walls of protection. They're walls of uh, safety so that what God has given you can be preserved, can be uh, stewarded, can be enjoyed. And um, so this is what God is about. When God comes into a nation— when, when there's a nation that's been devastated by sin, and let's say, you know, we could think of any, any number of nations that, you know, maybe third world nations that have had um, rulers that steal and corruption and a whole, every, in every arena of society, there's a whole host of evil practices. Well, when you go in to rebuild that nation, it's not, if you're going just to get them saved and you're not also thinking about building up their foundations and building up their walls, then, then you're, you're pouring water into a bucket that has holes in it. And by, by restoring the wall, the broken walls, uh, restoring the foundations, godly foundations, maybe where there were none before you're establishing godly foundations. It's the, it's the whole uh, aspect of plugging the holes as you pour in the water. You know, um, so anyway, um, so, so just the thought of, we have walls of protection. It's not just about walls keeping out, but these walls have blessing and, and so forth connected to it. I, I just feel that if we, both the people of our nation and the leaders of our nation, if we have the heart of God, yes, we will have secure borders. Okay. 
But then we also, because we have the heart of God, we care about the world. We care about other people. Those people in God's way, timing, etc., through a vetting process will be allowed in the nation. And oh, by the way, we're going to go the other way over the wall and we're going to leave our nation and help bring the goodness of Christ to other people. This is not about just simply some sort of truncated protectionism. Oh, you're just in the protectionism. No, 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 no. What we're talking about here is functioning with God's heart, both for the people within the nation and for people outside the nation. I laughed when people tried to draw a corollary between tearing down the Berlin Wall and our not building our wall as though they were the same. And, you know, one tiny difference is the Berlin Wall was keeping people in. And uh, our wall is keeping those from coming in without our own system of legal immigration. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a, right. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard it. I've heard it said that these dictatorial nations uh, and governments that their walls are to keep people in, and in America it's to keep people out. But it's not meant in a heavy-handed right. way. It's meant to say there's a there's a reason why so many people want to come into an America into America, in contrast to the reason why they're trying to leave their their own country. Well, I think about a quote from our former president. He said he was really advocating for uh, the wall being built, and he said, "I want to I want a, a strong, secure wall with a big, beautiful door in it." <laughs> that we can that we can decide who we're allowing in and we can when you have a say i think he said at one point he said when we have a big beautiful wall <clears throat> then we can we are better equipped to receive more in the proper way um uh, and the uh the pro immigration you know uh as far as uh, illegal immigration people are really doing that in their own lives, aren't they? they? They're living in houses often with walls and security cameras and locks and doors. And, you know, they're vetting who can come into their property and who can't. And yet when they talk about the nation, they kind of enter this la-la land of, of not applying those principles. Yeah. Right. That reminds me of what Joseph was saying earlier. We all have locks on our houses. And uh, we, we don't just let anybody in. And it's just, it's so simple, but it seems like we've gotten so uh, convoluted, I guess, here in this nation. Uh, I, I, you know, just, we need to kind of wrap up here, but one last lingering thought, because we haven't got there yet, again, uh, from scriptural underpinnings of all this, but it's actually a sign when you don't have a secure nation. In this case, we're talking about specifically our borders being secure. But it's actually a sign that you're under God's judgment. There's some uh, corrective judgment going on, some remedial judgment. Mm. God said this to um, to the nation of Israel uh, back in Deuteronomy 28. There's the, the, the passage of blessing and curses. And in Deuteronomy 28, verses 43 and 44, it says this. If this uh, by the way, this is if you're not following God's will and ways, if you're going off uh, wayward and so forth. It says this, if you're not following God, it says the foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher. Mm -hmm. Now, there's other passages here that will talk about attacks from militaries, but this is this verse is actually describing foreigners that are already living within your nation. They will rise above you. It says, but you will sink lower and lower. Mm -hmm. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. 
they will be the head, but you will be the tail. And if you read all of Deuteronomy 28, what's going on there is God is saying, hey, I'm going to bless you if you follow me, but boy, you need to be warned here. What's going to go on? And one of the indicators that should alert you, it's time to repent. It's time to humble yourself. It's time to come back to God in your nation is if you see the foreigner rising uh, among you. So yeah. we d- we're seeing that. If we just go with the statistics that um, that the, the U.S. Uh, uh, State Department and um, in the Border Patrol give us again somewhere between sixty thousand and four hundred thousand happening on any given month, plus a million every year coming in legally, and plus uh, some other factors. I mean, we're talking about something going on here that I think should alert us. Now, now was Deuteronomy twenty eight written to Israel, the nation of Israel? Yes. But can we look at this and go, wait a second, God was giving them some wisdom back then. Is there an application for Gentile nations such as America today? And I would say, yeah, there's a principle here that we should pay attention to. Let me read a passage from Psalm, uh, a verse from Psalms. It says, um, Psalm 80, verse 12, Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? And let's say you own the vineyard, but you have no walls, and then... With no walls, anyone can take your grapes. And then when you go to make wine, there's nothing there to make. And that's exactly tying in with what you're saying. When we don't have proper walls, then people can come in, they can milk the system. And uh, I'm not I'm not attacking people from other nations who've come in, whether legally or illegally. You know, I don't I don't blame anybody for wanting a better life. Uh, It's not that. But. When we don't, when we disregard our own foundations um, in the process of compassion, and it's a counterfeit compassion, because you, you, if you have to destroy something to bless someone, that's not God's way. You know, God's way is out of our abundance. You've been blessed to be a blessing. But yeah, when there's a there forced go. counterfeit ca- ca- compassion, Oh, you're not compassionate if you don't want to open borders. I'm sorry. I I want to. I want us to be good stewards of of the inheritance God has given us in this nation. Mm-hmm. Just uh, uh, again, we're now we're focusing on Psalm 80. It's specifically ele- verses 11 through 13 there, and it also says not only will they pick your grapes, but it says the boars will come in, like the wild pigs will come in, and this is serious on both accounts. They take the grapes, but then also, I mean, you don't think that other nations that don't have America's best interest in mind, um, you don't think they're coming in through these means and that they're doing a whole lot more than they would be able to otherwise? Of course, Absolutely. of course they're coming in. I, I do want to shift a bit here, uh, um, though, before we, before we wrap up and just say any practical application here, any ways to respond in faith as we think about this, like practically, you know, uh, in our lives, what do we do with this this information? Uh, well, I, all right, I'll jump in. Um, I, I think it starts like I was saying. Your personal boundaries uh, get magnified in how you see the boundaries of your nation, and I believe it begins by making sure that we have shored up our own personal boundaries. Um, And then it then our prayer needs to be, Lord, thank you for what you've given us in our nation. Thank you for the inheritance that we have. 
Father, show us where the, our, our walls have been brought down, where we have opened the door for the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy, and how we have allowed the enemy to come in and gain his glory at the expense of your glory being seen. So help us, show us what our role is in this. Um, yes, compassion, we have compassion for people that are coming in, whether they're illegal or not, but, um, Lord, show us what is a kingdom response to this. And uh, I think it involves, it involves advocating for a wall. I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't divorce having a physical wall from being a nation that is from a place of strength and blessing, able to bless the world. Don't, uh, you don't, don't have be to sorry. destroy uh, nations. Don't be sorry, Joseph. Um, you know, we can all share our opinions here. We have to all sort this stuff out. But it does seem like that's the direction that the, the Bible is pointing in. But I do want to say the wall without repentance and humility on our nation's part, the wall's not going to work because the wall is a reflection that you've come into God's, uh, God's way. Um, you know, I, I mean, from a secular perspective, are there advantages? Absolutely. But I'm just saying here on a, a Christian biblical podcast, those things, uh, we need to bring those together. So, but uh, Dave, you want to throw anything in? Yeah, I, I would agree with, I would agree with that. And I would also say in addition to a, a wall, which would be beneficial, would just be changing some of these illogical policies that we have that just allow uh, immigrants to just... Um, you know, get in in different in in different ways. Uh, also, as far as the immigrants themselves, we need to love them. We need to help them. We need to uh, give them godly principles and give them the gospel. And you know, in a sense, there is a sense that though um, that where in some cases we have failed to go in adequate numbers out to the nations. And they have ended up coming to us. And since they're here, let's do what we can to share the light of Jesus with them and godly principles. Yeah, that's mm. a great word. Boy, mm -hmm. both you guys. And I, I think the only thing I want to put uh, along here kind of supplementally is I just think the body of Christ would benefit so much if we started to do some Bible studies, uh, teaching, uh, preaching, on God's heart for nations. Like, this is a biblical concept, and I have been to a lot of different churches over my Christian life, you know, in different cities where God has called uh, my wife and I to live, and um, I don't know if I can remember one single sermon that was ever devoted to the topic of what we just covered on this podcast, but there's this, it's not the major theme of the Bible. Of course, Jesus is the major theme. Faith is a major, major theme. Uh, love, even sacrificial love is a major theme, but there's a sub theme here of nations, God's heart for nations, and we didn't touch on a lot of other passages we could have today that really, again, show God's God's design of nations, his heart for nations, his purpose for nations, uh, but I'm glad we could cover what we did today. Uh, um, all that to say that I think these Can are I some— Can I close out one, one uh, verse? Just, just a real quick close-out verse. Ezra 4.12, the people have gone to Jerusalem— they are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Hmm. Right. That's for us. 
Amen. Amen. Let's think both foundations and walls. Foundations uh, on the mm -hmm. biblical principles God has given us and walls to protect those principles and, mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. So thank you, Dave, and thank you, Joseph. Again, just a joy to be with you guys and unpack these, uh, these meeting, actually consequential topics. So, and thank you for being with us for insights. Look forward to being with you next time.